Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. All right, wonderful. Well, of course, thank you everyone for uh, for being here this morning. It's it's always a pleasure, I think, for us to gather as a community and, and study His Word. We're going to start with our with our May memory verse, which is First John chapter four, verses fifteen through nineteen. I'll be reading in the ESV. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. The the root of our love being the fact that he loved us first. So here's our overview. Today we're studying Exodus chapters 19 and 20, um, which which I think are are both really important chapters of the Bible. And as we've been sort of learning and studying together, the nation of Israel is at a point in their journey where they've been freed from slavery. They've gone through this harrowing escape, and and now they're beginning their their wander through the wilderness. They already have all kinds of questions for Moses about where they're going, and you know who is this God they're following. They're they're grumbling. They're starting to question whether they were better off under Egyptian bondage. And where we're kind of jumping into the story in chapter nineteen, Israel has arrived at Sinai, and it's now three months after leaving Egypt. So chapter nineteen gives us this absolutely pivotal moment where God essentially reveals the details of the the kind of relationship he wants to have with his people. He doesn't want to just free them from bondage to have them do their own thing. He wants to be their king. He speaks to the people. There's lightning, thunder. It's a display of his power and his holiness, and it's downright terrifying. And if ever there was a moment when they would have understood that they were dealing with a God who is mighty in his power, it was then. And he tells them that these these key lines that he wants to make them a treasured possession among all people, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. And this foreshadows the relationship that believers in Jesus will have with God in the New Testament. This language is paralleled in the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and it's speaking of, of Jesus' believers, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this parallel in scripture is not an accident. The writers are trying to make it clear that in the same way that God rescued Israel and wanted to have a special relationship with him, where they would be treasured, where they would be set apart, where they would be his representatives in the world, that through Jesus Christ, we, as the body of believers, we as the church, are invited into a covenant with God, 
and we are treasured and we are chosen and we are set apart and we are meant to be his priests and his representatives to the outside world. So Yahweh tells the nation of Israel that this special relationship will be theirs if they obey the voice of God and follow his commands. And then in chapter 20, we get the 10 commandments, which give broad guidance on, on what it means to love God and love people, how to actually live that out. We're going to pause here to release those who can only be with us just for just for a few minutes, but I'm gladly going to take a moment to pray for all of us that we would really embrace the fact that we are part of a global body of believers that is chosen and set apart by God, that we've been declared to be royal, not by our own righteousness, but by Jesus's righteousness, and that we've been invited to proclaim the glory of the one who freed us from slavery and called us into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, this, this early morning and, and whenever people are having a chance to sit down and, and connect with this material, Lord, I pray that we would have such a firm understanding of, of who you are, that, it, that our love would be rooted in an understanding of your sacrifice, that when you sent your son to the cross, you made a way for us to be declared uh, a royal priesthood, a treasured possession, Lord, and that it is our responsibility and our privilege to be able to proclaim your excellent work, to be able to proclaim your excellent name, to be able to speak of the one who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. Lord, we thank you that just as the nation of Israel was freed from bondage in Israel in a supernatural way, Lord, you have freed us from the bondage of our sin. Lord, I pray that you would walk with us this day and every day. Let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to now dive all the way in. Um, and we're, we're going to start by reading chapter 19 fully in the ESV. And then I'll make some observations before doing the same with chapter 20. So from verse one of chapter 19, and again, reading in the ESV. It says, on the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around 
saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So that's chapter 19. So, so a few observations. As I said at the beginning, Israel has been traveling in the wilderness for three months, and they end up at the foot of Mount Sinai. And this location of Sinai is incredibly important to the first few books of the Bible. Um, the, the rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus, and the first part of Numbers all take place at Sinai. God invites Moses to climb the mountain to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. And in verse 4, we start to hear what it is that God wants said to the people. Verse 4 says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So this is, this is already calling back to, um, to the, the exodus from Egypt. And this is something that we see God does on many, many occasions with the nation of Israel, that he reminds them what he's already done. So they've already seen what God did to the nation of Egypt, Egypt and how he freed them miraculously, powerfully, and supernaturally. And one commentary made the point that when we think of the term exodus, and exodus means sort of the way out, we think that this is about the exodus out of Egypt exclusively. But the book of Exodus doesn't end once they cross the Red Sea. The Israelites absolutely needed deliverance from physical slavery, but the job wasn't finished until they received spiritual freedom as well. They needed to establish right relationship with the holy God that rescued them. It's also worth noting that God showed them compassion and made a way out for them from Egypt based on his graciousness and not their works. So nowhere in his descriptions does he say, I rescued you from Egypt because of how good you are and how righteous you are. Rather, it's, it's, it's almost to the contrary as we see from, from their behavior. And then in verses five to six, as we discussed at the outset, he reveals his, his vision for this nation of people, that they'll be a treasured possession. And this kind of language would be common for a king to talk about their treasures, their special things, you know, their, their storehouse full of 
um, you know, full of jewels or whatever other things kings have, but, but it's unusual to be describing a group of people in this way. Israel as a whole is referred to then as priests. And priests are those who will serve in the presence of God and represent to others. So as a kingdom of priests, Israel was, was told that they would be set apart from other nations in order to serve God and show God to those other nations. In verse eight, the people respond, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And if you're anything like me, as you, as you read the Old Testament and you see the interactions between God and the nation of Israel, you can get a little bit of a, of a sort of superiority complex where you're like, ha, look at these people. You know, you see the, the, the nation of Israel and we're tempted to sort of shake our head because they're so fickle and they constantly fail and they break their promises. And, and, and spoiler alert, we don't really have to look very far to see the nation of Israel completely break this promise. Hashtag golden calf. And it's easy to make that, that kind of statement, um, like all that the Lord has spoken will do. But the actions of these people really are just a reflection of humanity, humanity in all of its brokenness and flaws and messiness, that we say, God, we will do everything you say, and then not long after be completely losing their way. The nation of Israel persistently failed to keep the covenant, and in the end, <clears throat> they forfeited their, their special position that, that, was, that was set out for them in the covenant. But we can be thankful that Jesus establishes a new covenant for both Jews and Gentiles through his death, burial, and resurrection. In verses 10 to 14, we have this really interesting section where Moses is instructed to prepare the people to come before our holy God. They're supposed to, to wash their garments, to, to consecrate themselves, which means to, to be set apart as holy. And then the ESV says, don't go near a woman, which is a really awkward way of saying abstain from sexual intercourse. So they're supposed to set aside all carnal activities and, and wash their clothes and essentially make themselves as ritually pure as they are able to. And they're instructed not to set even one foot on the mountain. And this seems pretty intense, but clearly God wants them to take this very seriously. God's very holy, weighty presence is resting on the mountain. And you can't just stumble unworthily into the presence of God. So it says if someone touches the mountain, they must be put to death. And even that is supposed to be done from a distance with stones or arrows that you would not in any way, you then would not be, be crossing the boundary. So this is, this is the beginning of a pattern that will be established for the nation of Israel, that God's presence would, would come in, in like a, a weighty manifest form to rest in a specific place. And only certain people at certain times would be able to enter his presence. Later, the tabernacle will be built and there would be you know, a veil and there's a holy of holies and priests will go beyond the veil of the tabernacle at prescribed times. And we know what happens one day, much later, where after Jesus says it is finished on the cross, the veil of the tabernacle is torn in two. And no longer is there death for someone who enters the presence of God unworthily, because Jesus has become our sacrifice and Jesus has become our righteousness. Verse 16. So in verse 16, we have this powerful and, and terrifying scene. There's thunder and lightning. There's a thick cloud on the mountain and a loud trumpet blast. And, and, and it says all the people in the camp trembled. We've all recently lived through uh, a somewhat powerful storm. Um, and I can tell you that I was in my house with water pounding the windows 
as seeing trees on the ground on my property and my heart was pounding. Um, and I, I've also once been in a, a lightning storm. I was out in a, in a field with people and, and, and we ran for cover in, in pure fear. And, and even still, I don't know whether we can imagine just how awestruck and terrified the people would have been. This is the God that has unleashed plagues and wiped out the Egyptian army. This is a roaring lion with a powerful demonstration of his might. We, we can have a tendency in contemporary Christianity to make God out to be a whole lot more soft and fluffy than what we actually read in the Bible. And, and, and don't misunderstand me, please. I'm, 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 <laughs> we absolutely serve a good God who's unfailing in his love, but no one who experienced that scene would have doubted the terrifying, awesome power of God. And the Bible says that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yahweh, the true and living God, showed up in power, and they instantly knew that he was not to be trifled with. The last thing that I want to highlight in this chapter is that when Moses is with God, God repeats to Moses to warn the people not to come up the mountain without permission. And Moses replies, you know, they already know this. And I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing here, but, but God says, tell them again anyways. And, and this, this two things jumped out at me about that. And, and the first is that God really did not want anyone to perish. Um, he, he was so concerned to be very clear in his guidance so that no one would at any point cross over where they couldn't cross. And so even though they knew, um, he, he wants to, to repeat this so that it's clear. And, and, and the second thing is that he knew human nature much better than Moses. He knew that even though people had already been told that they would die if they tried to, to walk past that point and in, in, into his sacred area, that people, some people need to be told again and again and again. And we see that, that the guidance that God gives the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament, that it's not just said once, that it's repeated and repeated and repeated, and, and Moses has to restate these things. All right, let's read Exodus chapter 20 together. Verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the people of Israel, you have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness be not exposed on it. So uh, a few thoughts. And, you know, uh, the, the Ten Commandments, I, we, could, uh, we could totally spend a full hour or two really unpacking it. And I'm looking forward to the chat because we'll have more opportunity to, to, speak, about, um, to speak about it. But uh, the first three commandments are about our relationship with God. And um, I won't take, take time on the first two, but the third one, the third commandment about taking the name of the Lord in vain um, is one that I think is, is a little bit underestimated. I think that we can focus on instances where, you know, for example, a non-believer might say the name of Jesus when they stub their toe. But I think we need to be even more concerned about all the times that people invoke God's name over things that they shouldn't, you know, <laughs> I don't get me started on how people can attach Jesus's name to their political projects and to other things. And it's like, ah, you know, don't, don't bring God's name into this. Don't take God's holy name and associate it with, with whatever pet project you have. We have to be very careful of that. Um, and then the fourth commandment um, about the Sabbath, I find this is a command that, uh, that I absolutely struggle with and fail at almost all the time. You know, like some of these commandments are pretty easy, you know, don't kill, check, you know, don't steal, check. But to set aside time to rest, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy thing. The, there are some commentators who, who group these, the Ten Commandments as, you know, the first four are about our relationship with God and the next six are about how we relate to others. But this fourth commandment about the Sabbath is an interesting one because it, it also has an element of how we relate to ourselves as well. Um, do we in our pride think that we can just go and go nonstop when God himself rested? Or do we set aside time to reflect, to connect with God, to have a, a prescribed day to, to stop all the striving and activity and just be still? Um, it's, uh, I, I know there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of resources on, on this. I know Mark Buchanan has, a, has, a, has an amazing book called The Rest of God. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something, something to reflect on. Um, and then the last commandment that I'll take, take some time for 
uh, right now is, is the 10th commandment about coveting. So if you, if you read how, how the second half of the read, it's like, you know, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. And then it gets to um, the, the um, verse 10 on coveting, and it takes a lot of time to unpack it. Um, and I find it striking because this is the, the only command that addresses our inner feelings and thoughts, um, like envy and greed. And it goes into detail, you know, don't covet his house, his wife, his ox, or anything else. And so it's really trying to make this a comprehensive statement that people would understand about, about coveting. And we live in a world that revolves around coveting this the unhealthy desire and, and, and lust for things that are not ours. Um, advertising and marketing are built on this. Social media is built on you know, seeing the manufactured photoshopped snippets from other people's lives and, and, and coveting them. Gratitude and being content with what we have is very difficult, and it would certainly set apart the nation of Israel if they followed this commandment. And then in verse 19, we hear the people's response to having heard God's thunderous voice booming out the Ten Commandments. Um, and verse 19 says, the people were afraid, and they trembled, and they stood far off. And twice it says they stood far off. So they didn't actually go as close as they could have. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. One of my professors in, in seminary believed that they missed out on an opportunity moving forward of hearing directly from God as a nation of priests. And, and whether or not that's the case, this exchange, I think, speaks to something in human nature that we have to watch out for. There's a natural human response to God, which is to say, you know, hey, you spiritual person, you connect with God and just tell me what to do and I'll listen. And, and this, this is a, a dangerous strand, um, a dangerous element sometimes of modern Christianity where there's, you know, you could call some of that celebrity Christianity where rather than people wanting to know God and communicate with God and spend, God with, uh, spend time with God directly, they want to listen to a really, um, you know, spiritual or charismatic person and just do what they say. And it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so blown away by my heart strong, by the way this, this community is functioning, being able to gather together um, and, and seek God on a daily basis, study his word, share together, grow, that it's not just like, you know, Pastor Lori, Pastor Jason, you, you know God and, and, and we'll just listen to you, but it's that we all want to, as a, as a body of believers, um, engage directly with God as well. And I'm looking forward to the next, uh, the next little while where we're going to share together from what God has been showing each of us individually. So the last, the last thing that I want to comment on uh, is, is the guidance on making altars. Um, and God essentially says, I am talking with you directly. And in, in the future, you don't need any item of gold or silver to be a mediator between you and me. You know, you don't need to fashion something and, and pray to that. And, you know, if you want to connect with me, he says, I'll come and I'll be with you. And it's, it's important. This is in a lot of ways, a, a reframing of a, sort of a restatement of the second commandment um, about not making any graven images. <clears throat> so as they were making their altars, he was worried that they would build beautiful, ornate altars, and then end up worshiping the creation instead of the creator. That, that even in their attempt to create an altar for him, they would miss the point, they would lose focus and start to think that whatever um, structure that they made, whether it's gold or silver, or whether it's like nicely um, fashioned stones, 
that that altar itself would become praiseworthy rather than God himself. So he, he says, let your, let your um, altar that you use for sacrifices be a, a basic fire pit with rough stones around, it, you know, just some dirt, some stones and use that. Uh, and I think there's a lesson there again about human nature that we have to be careful not to worship God adjacent things. Um, you know, we don't worship the church building. We don't worship our Christian events or our Christian culture or our Christian systems. We worship God and we worship God alone. Uh, I'm going to pray over us once more as we close out this portion. And, and then I have a couple of discussion prompts and, and we can take, we can take some time together to, to unpack further, particularly um, um, some of what I see in the, uh, in the 10 commandments that, that I didn't, didn't have a chance to, uh, to unpack. And I'm looking forward to that. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, um, once again, we want to state how thankful we are that you gave us your word, Lord, that we have the privilege of being able to, um, to spend time together and, and, uh, and really dive into it, to study it, because your word is alive, um, your word is powerful, and your word has the guidance and the instruction that we need to, to live and to thrive. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, uh, as we've, we've seen in, in Exodus chapter 19, there's this call to us, this invitation to the nation of Israel that's paralleled in the New Testament for us to be um, a royal priesthood, for us to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And Jesus, we are uh, in awe that you would choose us, that you would allow us to be uh, a part of your body, that you would declare us your, your treasured possession. Lord, we want to try our best to live lives that are worthy of the call that you've placed in our lives. And as we've seen in, in Exodus chapter 20, there's, um, there's the, the Decalogue, this, this group of, um, of statements that really just represent a much larger, uh, much larger and broader guidance that you have for us and, and how you're wanting us to, to relate to you and, and to relate to the world around us. And Lord, I pray that we would walk, uh, walk out lives of obedience, lives of humility, lives where we're, we're conscious and careful to, um, to seek you, to put you first, um, to, seek after, uh, to seek after you and to be conscious of, of, of striving to have right behavior, right actions. Um, and even as Jesus showed us, it goes beyond right actions to right, right thoughts um, and right motives. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to shape us, that you would be Lord of our lives. Lord, we're thankful for the unbreakable covenant. We're thankful for um, the, the finished work of the cross that, that you've already done everything that we are able to be declared righteous based on, on the sacrifice of your son. And we're thankful that we get to be a part of your body and, that, and we ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray blessings on those who are, um, who are stepping off after this part of the call. Bless them and go with them in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible bootcamp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.